Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Good morning, family. How's everybody doing this morning? Are we ready to get into the Word today? Come on, I am excited to share the Word today. We're, we're in this new series, Revival Hope, although I guess what? It's been one, two, three, four, maybe it's not new, so it's just a series that we're in. It's not a new series, but uh, Revival Hope, we've been kind of resting in this. Um, when Tim asked me a month or so ago to preach this, and, and I kind of sat down, or to preach this Sunday, I sat down and my first thought, well, thought was I had to ask myself a couple questions. Number one, do I really want revival in my life? You know, do I want it in my life? Do I want it in my family's life? Do I want it in my church family's life? Do I really want it for our city? Do I really want revival? And a question that maybe even precedes that is, okay, well, what is revival? What, what does that mean? What is revival hope? And so I really just sat down and started Googling what is revival to see what would come up without really deep diving into the word yet, just what is revival? And I had all these different things that came up. First one that came up was the phrase, bring back to life. Okay, to be revived, I guess, is to bring somebody back to life, right? Uh, I saw wake up, which I thought was an interesting one. As I searched in kind of the Hebrew language, uh, searching for revival, there wasn't a lot of words that in the New Old Testament even that had the word revival, but the word revive was there. And there were a couple words that I found, chaya, uh, which is a Hebrew word which means be alive, stay alive, or live. And then one that I really liked, Hebrew word, shub, shub, just a fun word to say, really. And it means to turn back or to return. In Christian circles, if you've grown up in the church or if you've been around, when you hear about revival, a lot of times you hear about the word repentance. They kind of go hand in hand with each other. This idea of changing an attitude, an action, turning away from it and moving in a new direction. Repentance. Interestingly enough, in almost every situation, as it comes to this idea of what is revival, okay, we all start at one place, okay, this fulfilled, joyful, on fire for life, grace-filled, healthy, energized kind of a place, and then somehow we kind of fall from that, right, to an unhappy, hard, unhealthy, dry, worn out, maybe stuck in sin kind of a place, and we have to return. So that's the revival part, is coming back to joyful, fulfilled, on fire for life, grace-filled, energized, and living life to the full. You can be revived in a lot of different ways. It's not necessarily just for in your spiritual life. It can happen with your health, right? You start at one place, you're doing great, boom. You have a heart attack, somebody has to bring you back to life, and then you have to work your way back to get to that place of health, right? It can happen mentally. You're in a season of great peace, and then all of a sudden, you start getting overwhelmed and overloaded. Too many inputs in your life, and you have to really focus to get back to that place of peace. 
It can happen financially as well. Start off doing great, something happened, stock market crashes, COVID happens, you lose a job, and all of a sudden you're burning through your savings, and then you get a job and you have to work your way back to financial health. You've had a revival. Well, we're in church, so we are talking about revival of something in us spiritually. And in the Old Testament, it's all over the place. The word, the English word that we have, revival, isn't necessarily all, the pla- all over the place, but the theme of it is. Tim has used this, this scripture many times, Second Chronicles 7.14. says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Revival is a returning, a recapturing, a repenting, a bringing back to life or truly living. It's returning to a relationship, a purity, a walk in the garden with the Father, a beautiful communion with the God of the heavens and earth. It's returning back to life to the full. Well, that wasn't very, uh, you know. (laughs) And a life unfulfilled. So we've been looking at Old Testament stories, right? Tim talked about Elijah last week. This week, as we jump into the Word, I want you to go to the book of Daniel. Okay, if you've got your Bible with you. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 6 today. And guys, I've spent the last month in this book, and it's been amazing. This book is filled with drama, intrigue, struggle, miracles, victories, much like your everyday life. And so you are going to be able to put yourself in the middle of this story. Let me give you a little bit of background, okay, on the book of Daniel. Judah has been conquered by the Babylonians and King Nebuchadnezzar. The funny thing about this, and it doesn't necessarily say it in the Bible, is that when King Nebuchadnezzar started on this war, it had nothing to do with the Jews or Judah. He was actually chasing Pharaoh to conquer Egypt. And then on his way back, he just happened to go, hey, let's conquer this land as well. So Jerusalem falls, the temple falls. He takes all the spoils, brings them back to Babylon Babylon with him. And King Nebuchadnezzar decides while he's doing that, he has the royal family, and he decides, hey, I'm going to take some of these people back, train them up so that they can serve me back home. And one of those people was Daniel. It says that the king wanted men to have royal blood. They had to be handsome with no physical defect, as well as well-informed, quick to understand, and have a knack for learning. And that was Daniel. These guys, it was actually a group of them, they'd be trained for three years and then brought into the king's service. They were given Babylonian names, of which Daniel's was Belteshazzar. Weird to go from Daniel to Belteshazzar, but uh, meaning Baal's prince. And it was sort of an honor to Daniel because they knew that he was royal and a prince where he was at. So they're brought to Babylon. And this group of men were given the best of foods and wine right off the bat. Daniel says, I don't want it. Take it back. Could I just have vegetables and water? So right off the bat, Daniel is stirring the pot. 
okay? And the leader that was over them says, well, hey, I can't have you fade away to nothing while the rest of these guys look great. And Daniel's like, listen, me and my friends, okay, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, yes, that story is in the book of Daniel as well, let us eat vegetables and water for 10 days, see how we look. And if we look better than the others, let us continue. So he agrees. And sure enough, after 10 days, what happens? They look a lot better than the other guys drinking the king's best food and wine. And so the leader literally takes the vegetable and water and gives it to all of the other guys going through this training. So I'm sure they truly loved him for this, right? So the training begins. And over the course of a few years, Daniel and his three friends begin to make a name for themselves. Because God, in chapter 1, he actually says to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. As the story goes on, all of these situations keep coming up where they need someone to interpret. And Daniel is the only one who could do it. First, Nebuchadnezzar has these dreams. Daniel comes and interprets them. He kind of moves up the ladder. Nebuchadnezzar kind of goes crazy, so his son, Belteshazzar, or Belshazzar, steps in. He has this situation where he's actually from the temple, drinking out of the cups that were from the Jewish temple, and this writing on the wall appears, if you remember that story. And nobody knows what it says, so they call in Daniel. He interprets it for him, moves up the ladder again. Belshazzar gets slain shortly after, and so at the point that we're starting in Daniel chapter 6, okay, he's on his third king, King Darius. And if you want to join with me, we're going to read the story of Daniel. So it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now, Dan now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius, may king Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius Put the decree in writing. You know, in every good story, there is always a hero and a villain, right? And this story is setting itself up to be a blockbuster. I feel like that's kind of what we've been going through these last couple weeks is these blockbuster stories, right? So here's the blockbuster story. 
a prince whose kingdom has been conquered and everything taken from him, enslaved by the mighty Babylonians, has conquered all the odds, and because of the great blessing straight from heaven above, has found himself at the footsteps of leading a brand new kingdom, only to find everything and everyone is against him. Will he reach the mountaintop or will he be fed to the lions? Stay tuned. Come on. It's a blockbuster. It's got it all. Seriously, though, if you think about Daniel and you think about this story, he's been put through the fire. Okay? At this point, he has lost his home, his country, his family. He's been taken from his people. He comes to a new land where every temptation is thrown before him. And every administrator and satrap is fighting against him. He has great enemies, great villains that are fighting to take Daniel out of the picture. And this isn't that different than last week in Elijah's story, right? Elijah's out trying to do good work, trying to get the prophets to come back to God. He sees the miracles, fire coming down from heaven. And he's got the villain, Jezebel, who's chasing him around trying to to kill him. You remember where he ends up, in the cave. Well, Daniel's situation ends up a little bit differently. Here's the thing, guys. These are real stories, and they're in the Bible. But every single person in this room has an enemy. Every single person in this room, whether it be somebody in the physical realm here that maybe you have an enemy, But there's an enemy that Jesus talks about, right? The thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he comes for every single one of us. What is it that is keeping you from life to the full? When we talk about revival, it's tough to stay in this, right? So most of the time, we're someplace in between life to the full and life unfulfilled. And isn't our goal to be over here, to live in this consistently, constantly? What are the things, if you're sitting there this morning and thinking to yourself, I don't feel like I'm getting life to the full, that Jesus says he came here for? Is it time? Is it money? Is it pride? Is it jealousy? Is it lust? Is it the pleasures of this world? What is the enemy using to take you away from life to the full? We all have a great enemy. So let's get back to Daniel's story. So the satraps have it out for Daniel. They're trying to dig up some dirt. They find nothing. They manipulate the system using the king's ego to put a system in place that they knew would put Daniel in harm's way. And we'll pick it up. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went to his home, to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Verse 11. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, 
the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. It says, when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed because the king liked Daniel. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king's issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And the last thing that the king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. Whew! For Daniel, it had to feel like life was swirling a bit, like the wolves were coming. He was no dummy. He knew he had enemies. They've been watching his every move for quite a while now, right? Just waiting for him to make a mistake. It had to have felt like the walls were coming. Now listen, we're not talking about Daniel being on the board at the public library, right? This is the largest kingdom of this time. And Daniel is right under the king. This is the powerful country and the most powerful group of people at this time in the Old Testament. And what was Daniel's response to all of this pressure? All of the wolves coming. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God listen to this word, just as he had done before. Daniel didn't do anything different. He didn't have to. You see, Daniel has been going to his room, stoking the fire, conversing with the God of all creation, thanking him for his goodness, and praying on his knees for years and years, over and over and over again. And throughout his life, God has proven faithful. This kind of pressure and criticism, flat-out aggressiveness by the satraps and administrators would cause most people who are living life to the full to find themselves over here, right? But Daniel didn't flinch at the circumstances that were happening around him because he knew whose he was and who was really in control. It said, Daniel prayed. This prayer thing, we keep saying it over and over. Tim keeps preaching about it. We talk about it in meetings that we have and get-togethers that we have. Why? Because it keeps showing up in God's Word throughout the entire Bible. A few weeks ago, I went to our Alpha launch night. It was about four weeks ago, five weeks ago, something like that. I tell you what, if you ever want to taste Revival Hope, it's at Alpha Launch Night, without a doubt, in the air. Well, that night they played this video where it's a, they go around on the streets and they interview people and just ask them different questions. So people from all walks of life. And in the video, they ask, do you pray? And as it goes along through the video, some believers, some not, some people are like, no, I don't pray. I don't pray to a God who doesn't answer. 
then a lot of people are like, yes, I do pray. But there was one in particular that really caught my ear. Is this girl that says, she goes, I don't believe in God. But if something goes bad, I pray. And I thought about that statement that she made. And I thought, here's this girl who, who literally just said, I don't believe in God. But if something goes wrong in my life, then I'm going to pray to that God I don't believe in, right? And I just started thinking, as believers, don't we sometimes treat God like that? That we don't get on our knees and pray unless something goes wrong or we need something I call this a reactionary type of praying. And it's this idea that there's a stimuli, there's something that happens in your life, whether it is something bad that happens, or you need something, or maybe we're having 100 hours of prayer, it's a great time to start praying, right? So we go to pray. We're reacting to something that is currently happening. What if instead of your prayer life being a reaction, what if it became a reactor in your life? Okay, and let me explain what I mean by that. You've all heard of a nuclear reactor, right? If you, when you have a nuclear power plant, in the power plant you have a reactor. And the definition of a nuclear reactor is an apparatus or structure in which fissile material can be made to undergo a controlled, self-sustaining nuclear reaction with the consequent release of energy. Okay, now let me, let me bring that back to prayer with a definition as a prayer reactor. Okay? A prayer reactor is a deep relationship with God built with consistent prayer that ignites a controlled, holy sustaining reaction, giving you a consequent and continual release of spirit-filled power in your life. Let me read that one more time, okay? A prayer reactor is a deep relationship with God built with consistent prayer that ignites a controlled, holy, sustaining reaction, giving you a consequent and continual release of spirit-filled power in your life. You see, Daniel had a prayer reactor within him, always building, always churning. Daniel's prayer that day when he heard the news about the edict, it wasn't a reaction to something that had just happened, it was another opportunity to stir the reactor that had already been going in his life. He'd already prayed that morning, right? Three times a day it said that he prayed. That would be three. <laughs> it wasn't the only thing that Daniel had left to do. It was the thing that he always did. And there's a difference, right? In our house, we love music. Um, it is one of the joys of my life, and the fact that it kind of passed on to my kids and my wife really honestly brings joy to my heart. If you are in our house, if you were just a fly on the wall, all of the time you would hear music going on. Need to Breathe, Fleetwood Mac, Taylor Swift, Maverick City, Bethel, Drew Holcomb, Johnny Mayer, or John Mayer, Johnny Swim. I mean, all sorts of different types of music. We have music going in our house all the time. 
And so being the incredible father that I am, for Christmas this past year, I decided I am going to give our kids the gift of life. I gave them Beats headphones. <laughs> the headphones, come on, that give them all hours of enjoyment they need, great sound, up to like 18 hours of battery life. But here's the best part of that, right? Is that now I get my own AirPods back for my own personal enjoyment. Except for one thing. One of my children, well, really both of my children, they have not quite gotten the concept of when you're done using your wireless headphones, that you've got to plug them back in to power them up, right? So even though I've given them this great gift, every time they use them, they just set them down, and when they come back to them, they have no power. So sure enough, I'll see my son walking through the living room with my AirPods in his ear. Listen, our our prayer life is very much the same. If we want God working in our life, if we want to be able to live in this life to the full zone, we need to stay plugged in to his power. And guys, I'll be honest, I struggle with this as well. Where I have these great moments and great seasons of prayer and then all of a sudden that fades a little bit and I find myself in those seasons falling back to this side. And it takes all of a sudden for me to get back in, and then all of a sudden I power up, and I'm moving back to that life to the full zone. Right? You remember the moment at the well? And I know if you, if you haven't been in church before, if this is your first Sunday, um, I apologize. But there's a story of the Samaritan woman. She comes to the well to draw the water. And Jesus says something to her that day. He says, Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I think that Daniel figured out early in life how to draw water from the well. And it wasn't a once, every once in a while kind of thing, right? This is my planner, by the way. Monday, morning, noon, night. Okay, Tuesday, morning, noon, night. Wednesday, morning, noon, and night. It says that Daniel prayed three times a day as he had always done before. Daniel came across these situations and, and all that was happening around him. But guess what? He'd been praying three times a day for years leading up to this. We wonder why he didn't have any great reaction, why it doesn't say when they lowered him into the lion's den that he was screaming, No, don't do it! Because he knew God had been faithful to him throughout the years. And he knew that there was nothing that this king could do that could affect him. When we get past this idea of prayer being a reaction, something special happens. This prayer reactor starts to work in our life. 
There's a few things that happen. When you pray, you start building a relationship. You start getting to know the Father, getting to know his word, getting to know who he is, and he's getting to know you at the same time. Once you've built a relationship, that relationship begins to build trust, right? Just like when you have a relationship. When me and Angie started dating, the more time we spent together, the more I started trusting her, right? Same thing with God. The more time you spend together, the more you begin to trust that he's going to take care of you. And what does that build? Trust builds faith. It's this faith in life to know that he's going to be there at any moment. Good times, bad times, it doesn't matter. Faith, once you have faith, that builds a reliance. A reliance on him knowing that he's going to take care of you. A reliance on him knowing that there is no other power that is more powerful than our God in any situation, right? And when you've got that kind of reliance, the last piece of that is belief. True core belief that sits right in the middle of your heart. And friends, when you truly believe something, when you know that this God is not just a God who sits up in the heavens, that this God lives inside of you, that he walks with you day by day, that he wants to bless you with gifts and spiritual gifts, that he wants to move in your life when situations in your life come around, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever the case may be, and you don't have to worry anymore because you know that he's going to take care of you, right? That is core belief in your life, and that is what prayer does. Builds relationship, relationship builds trust, trust builds faith, faith builds reliance, and reliance builds belief. True belief in the power of Jesus. That's a revival hope in your life that you can't shake, that doesn't fluctuate with what is happening around you. That's the kind of strength that Daniel had. And friends, it doesn't just happen. Daniel didn't have that kind of strength for no reason. It was built over time. There's a passage of scripture, Matthew 6, 33. And it says, Jesus said this. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. Let me read that again. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Daniel's life is a great example of a man whose priority was seeking first the kingdom of God. When we have a reactionary prayer in our life, it's hard to, to seek the kingdom, Right? Sometimes we look at a story like this and we think, Scott, I can't pray three times a day. And I literally, over the course of these last few weeks, I thought, can I do this? Why can't we do this, guys? Somewhere along the line, we decided that our life and the things that we have going on in our life is what was the most important thing. And then we take our spiritual life and we try and plant that in there somewhere, wherever we can kind of fit it. It was different for Daniel. He, for him, his spiritual life, his relationship with God, it was the everything. And then he took 
his role as an administrator in the Babylonian kingdom, and he put it where it fit in his spiritual life. There's a difference. He had this reactor in his life that created this incredible power. So how does the story end? Well, Daniel gets put down in the lion's den. It says the king was up that entire night pacing back and forth, wondering if he was getting mauled by a lion. And it says at first light, he ran down to the stone where they had rolled in front of the opening. And he said, Daniel, are you still alive? And in my mind, and this is just me because I love movies, this is just me seeing Daniel. He's got a little fire going down there, probably laying on his side. And he's like, hail to the king. Long live forever. He says something like that. Long live the king. And he says, God sent an angel and shut the mouth of those lions and they haven't touched me. Daniel knew nothing was going to happen in that lion den because he had built something up over years of prayer, over years of building his faith, years of building this belief that God is real and he wants to be a part of your life. Will you stand with me? I want to encourage you today. Like I mentioned at the beginning, all of us, we have something. We have something going on in our lives that is keeping us from living a life to the full. The one that Jesus died on a cross so that we might have. There's something keeping us. And we're in this season of doing 100 hours of prayer, and I just want to encourage you. Maybe we need to start building up this reactor, this prayer reactor in our life and making our spiritual life the priority and then placing the other things in our life where they can fit within that. It worked for Daniel. And I guarantee, because I believe in the power of our God, that if you'll figure out for you what it means to seek first the kingdom of God, then just like for Daniel, where it says, Jesus says, all of these things will be added unto you. It's going to happen for you. So let's pray. Christy's going to come up here in a moment and sing. Our prayer team's going to be down below. If there's something in your life today that is keeping you from a life to the full, give it to God. What's that thing that you need to do to take a step forward in building that relationship with the Father? Our prayer team would love to pray for you if you need prayer today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Father, thank you for recording these stories of men like Daniel. Father, who loved you so greatly. Father, he ran after you. He's would seek you to the fullest extent, Father. Father, I just pray that you would put in us a heart, a priority, Lord, that we would put our relationship with you first in our life. And Lord, I just know, because you are the giver of good gifts, that you're going to bless your people, that revival is going to come in this place, 
that revival is gonna come to your people, Father, that we might be able to live life to the full, which is the reason you came. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.